Podcast would carry me away. But while talking to Squeak, and Michelle get a word in edgeways. Record over a bottle of rum on a darker Southampton Bay. That is what we're talking about. Saddle up my microphone, get deep in Baker. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Due South by Southeast, the program which, the program, the podcast even, which gives Due South its dues. No, Michelle, for Christ's sake, put that book of sci-fi classic Dune away. I said Jews, as in oh, it's propers. Sorry, my it's, mistake. It seems almost unlikely you'd be oh, mishearing it every week like this. I know. And and last week, Matt Lee's filling in for you misheard as well. It's, it's weird. <laughs> my name is Detective Squee, and uh, as you may have guessed from that, joining me as always is M- Mountie Michelle. I don't know why I'm yeah, most you, intrigued. You wanted I, to get in on that, didn't you? Well, Mountie because, Michelle. It's because we had a week off. And uh, or you had a week off anyway. Some must trade up for work. Uh, and uh, I'm used to having to introduce Dottie for her, who sadly can't join us tonight. Yeah. So who's having the week off this week? It's not me, is it? Well, you know, like she, she after watching Ethan Baker's day, day off, off, she was yeah. like, "Where's Dottie's day off? <laughs> Where the hell do, do I she get?" She became a day such off? a diva. We had to give her the exactly. Day off. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much to Matt Lees for joining us for the Mountie moment mm. last week. Uh, no, you haven't heard that episode yet because yet. it's all a bit kind of time shifted because this is the episode we're recording so that our editor can edit it so we'll be a week in hand in future. Mm. So Mountie Minute, Mountie Moment, sorry, was recorded yesterday and we're going to do more Mountie Moments. That's going to be, okay. I'm going to bank a couple of those just in case we need a gap week. That would be cool. Sometimes, I, you know... The idea to begin with, I might expand it later, but is to get a genuine Canadian every time. Wow, that'd be awesome. We let Lee's in as a watch Canadian. We let him off. Mm. It wasn't quite purebred, but uh, <laughs> Pure we, we yeah. <laughs> they died quite happily having back. He's, well, you know, he's got a bit of Welsh in him. Yeah, yes. We'll let him off for that, shall we? We'll yeah. let him off. Well, I'm, I'm going to on this occasion, only because okay. he wrote our theme tunes really nice and he's doing the... Uh, music for the audio play that we're putting together currently. So, you know, we'll let him off. Quite we'll ignore the students. Welsh part. We will. We'll ignore his Welsh part. <laughs> I didn't know that was his Welsh bit. <laughs> it was his Welsh part. His Welsh part, yes. <laughs> so, Michelle, what have you been up to this week? Have you got any exciting stories to tell this week? I've got a couple, if not. Exciting? Not so much. No. I mean, on the skip week, like, you know, it should be addressed that you did look like death. Not quite warmed up even. No. Oh, okay. My most exciting thing this week is I have had my flu jab. Woohoo! I know, I know. And um, I don't mind having my flu jab. Some people seem to really suffer after it and it never really bothers yeah. me. So when our director of nursing came round with her little trolley a couple of days ago <laughs> offering the flu jab out, I was like, 
Yeah, I'll be a little swat here. I'll put my hand up and say, yes, please. I'll have my flu jab in my arm because I get a little badge. And I did, I did say to you her. You got a little badge, I did, did you? I did, and I wore it. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and when people said to me, oh, you really had your flu, but your flu jab? I went, yeah, I've got a badge. Does everyone on the ward hate you very much? Probably. <laughs> I actually think on that shift, I was the only person that agreed to have it. <laughs> what, the, the jab or the, or the badge? <laughs> both. <laughs> I think both, because um, quite often we find that people have the flu jab and then they go off sick afterwards. Yeah, because it, well, it causes it in some people, like flu-like symptoms. Yeah, so it's never, ever, ever caused any issues for me. But this year... I have a very red sore patch on my arm. It's hot and it's itchy. And now I'm like, darn that director of nursing. <laughs> what have you done to me? See, I work as a support worker and I refuse to have it on the grounds that I haven't got the flu in memory. Literally in memory. I cannot remember getting the flu. No, I've never had it. I, I might have had it at one stage, but I can't. Like It would be as a child if I did. So... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And to, yeah. to be honest with you, unless uh, the people who I work with are going to pay for my wages while I'm not working, which I don't get, <laughs> then, yeah, I'm sorry. I draw the line somewhere. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I won't get into that other than the fact that a certain family member of a certain person mm. who I uh, a sport tried to say, I, I have to have it. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, yeah, you don't have to. I did not take kindly to that. <laughs> it's uh, Anyway, that's another story. My week, though. Do you want to hear about, I like, do. this is a, a, a rather fun story. This week, I went to a Comic-Con up in Coventry. Coventry Com- Comic-Con, their uh, inventively named first ever con they've had there, or certainly with this organisation. Okay. Great time, I hosted the panels for it, which I was very excited to do. When I was on my way in, though, uh, David Prowse, which I scarcely need to tell you, Michelle, was Darth Vader. Oh, yes, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was the guy in the suit yeah. for Darth Vader, James Earl Jones, of course, being the voice. Yes, knew and he was, that too. He was also the Green Cross Code Man here in the UK. Oh, that I know. He was, bizarrely <laughs> enough. But anyway, that's another story. Yeah. He was on his way in. Now, he has recently announced that he is retiring from doing cons. Because just basically, look, I remember when I was first going out to cons and I met him. And he was old as fuck then, quite fair. I think that's the only nice way of putting it. I mean, lovely guy, but he was having health problems. He had problems with his hips from a relatively young age. I say old as fuck. He was, he was just having problems. And like, uh, come on, Star Wars was a few years ago now. The, the guys are getting on a bit. And he had an operation, though, and that gave him decades worth more of attending cons and stuff. He's now got to the point where he's announced he's going to do a few more and then that's it. It's basically, I think it's at the end of this year. He retires officially from doing appearance, public appearances. He's on his way in on his crutches. He's walking past me. I'm like, oh, hi, David. He doesn't know who the hell I am. But, you know, I said hi to him anyway. Mm. He walked past. And just when he passed me, he was kind of level with me. And he fell forward. Like his crutch, like he gave out. His oh, leg no. gave out. His crutches went to his side, one side. And luckily there was a couple of people ahead of him. Because he was forward of me. So anything I would have done would potentially have pulled his muscles of anything so the people in front of him kind of caught him and I was kind of very quickly I was I, I could see how embarrassed he was because he he sat for a second and he was like I'm all right I'm all right like he looked really understandably pissed off a bit Aww. embarrassed and I was like Jesus Christ I, I 
I have to cheer, cheer Darth Vader up. So I helped him up. Like, we helped him up first. Like, the other guys are by his side, so they helped him up. I'm holding his crutches, feeling like, well, this is fucking useful of me. But, I'm again, being in line with him, you're actually in the worst position. As a fellow, well, ex-carer, now nurse, you'll know that that's the worst point to be in. If you're in front of someone, you can catch them. If you're by this, if you're in the right position, you can sort of support their fall. But if you're right next to them as they fall forward, yeah, you're likely to more do, harm yeah. than good. So anyway, they help him up. I had him his crutches, and I just left her be. And I said, "Dave, you're not you're not fooling me." I said, "Sorry." And I go, "I know you just wanted to make a big entrance, Darth Vader, and all that." <laughs> and he gave this huge grin, and he went off. And I go, "You have a great day." And uh, the person who was assistant told me later, he "Goes, you cheered him right up." Oh. <laughs> so I managed to make Darth Vader's day. How often do you get that during a week? Yeah, not me, not not so much. I mean. What, what do you, don't say me not so much as if everyone else has that everyone experience. Me, no. It's common to everyone else, but uh, I thought it was pretty special this week. That, I mean, I always like to have a little bit of a joke with the patients at work as well, especially if something's gone on. That we had a patient that um, she kept fainting, and every time she would faint, it would cause this you know, we'd be like crash buzzer going, loads of people running, getting her up on the bed, and it was, there was so much going on. And she was an elderly lady, and I think it was very overwhelming for her. And I always made sure I had a little bit of a laugh with her about it. And it's funny, isn't it? Just a little bit of a laugh. It can just completely distract people and make them feel not so bad about what's happened. I mean, you know, and I would always be like, oh, you're such a troublemaker, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, that's the that way you kind of treat thing. it. You just love to be a troublemaker. Or, God, don't you just love to see those doctors run for you? You know, <laughs> those silly little kind of jokes, and it would just kind of like... I think if they're feeling bad or they're feeling embarrassed, it can make them feel like, actually... You know what? No one actually gives a shit. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the thing. I I could see everyone with their concerned faces, and there's nothing worse than that when you're embarrassed yeah. and you feel a little bit foolish because you you just feel like your armor's gone in front of people. So I wanted to make Darth feel better. So so that was the highlight of my week. And by the way, in case you want to hear any of the magical panels from that uh, convention with uh, Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Aldred, and Patricia Quinn, Patricia Quinn being from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, of course. Sylvester and uh, Sophie being the Doctor and Ace, the Seventh Doctor and Ace. There's a panel with them. Uh, there's a panel with the Game of Thrones guys, with some Power Rangers, with some cosplay okay. guys. All this is coming up in the next few weeks on the Gallifrey Stand podcast. Gallifrey Stands podcast, even. I'll get the right name my, my own podcast your right. podcast, come on. <laughs> okay, I'm very tired. <laughs> so uh, please check that out if you're into any of those things as well as Due South. We are going to get into Due South now, mm. though. First of all, we got a bit of rare Due South news. We don't have this very often, but uh, a a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, I mentioned about uh, Paul Haggis' daughter, Paul Haggis being the creator of Due South, the Mm. producer, writer on a lot of key episodes, including the one we're going to be talking about today. His daughter was on Scientology and the Aftermath. He was on it. Again, by the time this podcast comes out, you're going to have to look a couple of episodes back, probably... Once Scientology in the aftermath, but he was on an episode. He spoke about, like, it was an episode which was celebrity centric. So they spoke about the effects, like, the links between Scientology and celebrity. So the mm. celebrities join the celebrity, is it the celebrity center? Scientology celebrity it's, center, yeah. I believe, in Hollywood. Mm. And uh, it's really, like, they basically used him as an example of it while they were also telling the stories of Tom Cruise and all these other people who are in Scientology. 
And my God, it was amazing. Because, uh, I mean, I didn't know until watching this. And actually, I think previously, on previous episodes, we've looked through IMDb a bit. But Paul Haggis did some Bond films. He's an Oscar winner. I mean, after Due South and 30-something, he was also famous for before this. He won, he's gone on to do a thing or two, shall we say. But when he was in Scientology, it sounds like, and this is something which I'm building up a slight picture of, that Scientologists, when they were in Scientology, the ones who now are talking openly about it, always questioned it a bit. They weren't quite as blind as other people, even if they accepted it. There was always questions in the back of the mind as something, like Leah Remley yeah. certainly sounds like she did, even though she was she was brought up praises. from a child as well, yeah. wasn't she? So I think that's quite hard to question things when you're raised as a child. And... But it's, it's almost like she didn't question certain things, but when certain things were so out of kilter with yeah. reality, she'd go, that's ridiculous. So she was told apparently she had to convert Kevin James because they did yes. King of Queens before yeah. he was uh, a movie star now. Mm. Or back to a TV star now. <laughs> <laughs> Take from that what you will. But uh, she said, it's like, well, he's a Catholic though. They go, yeah, and? And yeah, 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 and just nothing. Um, and Paul Haggis, apparently the thing which broke it for him he was already questioning certain things but they were as Scientology as an organisation and certain members of Scientology in certain positions of power were championing championing, championing anti-LGBT legislation mm. and that's the bit where he goes I know gay people and which are lovely and they're not evil and why would we say that yeah. and they're going yeah just shout out Paul Haggis just, just go on with it Paul Haggis would you he's going no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And uh, his friends would come around and he's going, oh, thank God you come around and support me. It's like, no, no, we want to have an intervention with you, see what's wrong with you. Why are you questioning what? all this? <laughs> and apparently he, like, uh, just after he left Scientology, he met or saw Leah Remney at some sort of party or some sort of Hollywood gathering. And he walked past things he's like, well, I don't want to make life awkward for her because once you're out then you're they're not allowed to talk to you and she was the only one who came up to him and said it's like hey Paul why are you saying hi and she goes he goes I thought I wasn't allowed to or you wouldn't want me to he's going she's going don't be ridiculous and she was so warm and nice to him and that kind of just made a little bit easier on him Mm. so uh so please check out that episode of Scientology in the Aftermath if you're a Jew South fan see what the creator's got to say about Scientology Um, when I say the creator, I don't mean in the religious sense. I just mean the Jusad <laughs> sense. The god of Jusad. Yeah, he's the god of Jusad. Uh, but Michelle. Yes. We're here, of course, to talk about this week's episode. We are. But we can possibly do that without one more order of business. What's that? Oh, you know what it is. It involves this certain bit of paper here. Oh. And I hope that sound effect came out nicely on the microphone. This is indeed special. What are we going to do? Mini Mounties. Mini Mountie Club. Not Mini Mounties. It's Mini Mountie Club. Club though. It's Mini Mountie Club. Mini Mountie Club. Oh, don't do that. Yeah, that, that shouldn't be theme tune. <laughs> Actually, Matt Leeds, if you're listening, could you, could you rustle us up a little Mini Mountie Club theme tune? I, I'll, I'll email you later. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> so, that'll do for this week, but next week we might have a proper jingle. I'm just going to get Manly's doing not, all my music not, you work. You have to do that every week now. <laughs> it sounds a bit Greg Davies, doesn't it? A little bit. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Welsh comedian over here. So anyway, <laughs> Mini Man's Club. Now, Michelle, you missed last week that we inducted Raf Novak and uh, that fracking cat. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it was just those two who are both from the We Are Not Here to, Here to Please You podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy to say I got a uh, Facebook Messenger message thing from that fracking cat showing that he's just brought the entire Jew South box set. Awesome! So, now who we get listening to this, no matter what the numbers, which by the way, I've got some numbers to share with you. In a okay. Minute, no matter what those numbers, we have got someone to buy the entire box set of G yes. South to watch it again. Our work is done. Exactly. No, it's not. No. <laughs> no, no, no. We will do no. more. But it has started. We will continue. But that that work is good. <laughs> yeah, that would. <laughs> if that was it, that would be enough. But we can do more. We can do better. Okay. Because okay. we're going to go through numbers. Uh, well, we we won't spoil it, but we're going to start at number thirteen Ooh. for our first inductee to the Mini Man's Club this mm-hmm. week. And we're going to welcome. The uh, podcasting pal of Matt Lee's from the Legend in Our Spare Time podcast, Just John. Apparently that's what he's known as. Okay. We allowed that fracking cat in last week when he <laughs> weren't here. So we're going to allow in Just John. Now apparently Matt is going to tell him he's a mini Martin, So <laughs> He doesn't know. He doesn't know, but he okay. will now. Um, and uh, uh, Matt Lee's dad. Now, I hope Matt doesn't mind me quickly mentioning this, but one thing we didn't cover before was Matt Lee's is a slayer of cancer. He had cancer. He kicked its ass. He lost a bollock along the way, but that's not the point. He kicked cancer's ass. And I believe important. he now has a metal one wow. to replace it. No, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I mean, he might have prosthetic. I, I'm making all that bit up. But he kicked cancer's ass, and uh, his dad sadly is having to do the same at the moment. But oh. we know he will. So, yeah. Uh, welcome to the Mini Mountie Club. Mini Mountie 14. So that was 13, Judge John. 14 is Ken Lee's. Kick Kansas' ass the way your family does. Mm. That's all I'm saying. And uh, not they're competitive, but <laughs> Matt didn't mention me. That I think he said that he had eight hours of chemo and his dad's got ten in a session and he thinks his dad's just getting competitive. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I hope you don't mind me mentioning that, Matt, but we're just very proud of you and your dad and how you are cancer slayers. Mm. Kick, uh, it. You kick it. Yes, you can. <laughs> Next, number 15, or number 015, because of course, what number are we going to add to, and over? A hundred. Exactly. Easy. Number 015, we've got Joy Johns, my housemate, (laughs) and unsurprisingly enough, her husband, and number 16 (laughs) is Nick Johns, so you're number 15 and 16, welcome to the Mini Mountie Clubs, and thank you for welcoming into what was previously your home. (laughs) So... Our final inductee this week, and number 17, it's our friend who is a frequent guest of the Garifay Stands podcast, part of our Christmas play that we're in the middle mm-hmm. of producing at the moment. So, of course, Mr. Adam Manning. Welcome, Adam. So, uh, so that's 17. So we're only up to episode, what is it, four or five? Five, five I five. think. I want to say five. The thing is, it's got confusing because we, we had the... Mm. the podcast of five episodes, I think. And one of them was an induction episode. Yes. Like a welcome to Due South by Southeast. Mm-hmm. Last week was a uh, uh, Mounty moment. So I think this is four. We'll go to our verifiers later. But I think this is the fourth episode of Due South. Yeah. Oh, I can't look on here, can I? Fourth episode is our sixth episode. That's fine, anyway. Yeah, That's yeah. Fine. Anyway. Anyway, we're getting, we, we don't get on We digress. Go- 
But yeah, and we're on 17 Mounties, Mini Mounties. This is going to be too easy for us. But anyway, that's the end of Mini Mounties Club. Mini Mounties Club! It's the end of Mini Mounties Club! Oh yeah! Yeah, Mini Mounties Club! That's very enjoyable, Ian. Thank you for I thought so. I think that's going to be a pleasure for everyone's ears, quite (laughs) frankly. But we have now got... Oh, we've got so much to talk about with this episode. This was uh, certainly a winner to date. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think we even have to take... We'll take the scores at the end. Mm. But I don't think we have to to agree that this is the, the best episode so far of Juice House. Easily, I think. Easily. And I think it's not going to be beaten in a hurry. Because mm. who we got guest appearing this week? Leslie Nielsen. I always said that like... Really, Mr. Club? Leslie Nielsen! <laughs> it's got into your head, hasn't it? It has. It's it... got you. Leslie <laughs> Nielsen Club! Oh, by the way, we didn't mention our email this week. We didn't. We didn't. We had an email. This is our first email. It was very yeah. exciting. It only took us five yeah. episodes and yeah. someone's emailed us. <laughs> <laughs> what was that That young man's name? Mark Kerr. Um, or do you mean Mini Mounty number 18? I we, might we're gonna, do. We're going to sneak him in <laughs> under the dial. So, so I know we said Mini Mounty Club was done, but... but uh, Michelle, I think we just, can sneak one just, more just in. Just rhyme there, in, rhyme in, rhyme in. Yes, I, I've We're going to rhyme on the list as we're speaking. At the moment, I don't have a reply from him as to whether or not he wants to be a mini Mountie, but... No, there is a new rule. Anyone who emails <laughs> us, you're a mini Mountie. I'm sorry, that's how it works. Yes. You yeah. are now... You have consented by emailing us. You are in the club. It's official. Oh. I've written it down. It's a bit worrying that, that uh, there's a consent issue on a mini Mountie <laughs> club. It's a pure and innocent organisation. It is totally consensual, even if people don't know they're being inducted. Yeah. That's yeah, fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So he wrote us about the music from Juice. Yeah, it was actually it? it was about an episode we haven't got to. I'm not entirely sure what series it's it's in, but it's not in the series we're we're watching at the moment. But it was about excellent us. grasping effects, Michelle. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was a song that featured, and it was sung by Christina Quinn, and the song was called "Ancient of the Old." Basically, Mark wanted to know if this was a song that we had. Yeah, so if anyone does have a copy of that song, get in touch with us and mm. we will pass it on. But we, we don't have it, unfortunately. Unless it's on one of the two soundtracks from G-South, that's the only tracks I've got. Yeah, I can't find it. I've tried kind of Googling it a little bit and it looks like there are, uh, previously people have tried to find this song. And as far as I can see through Googling, no one has been able to. Oh, yeah. so this is like, so he's on, he's... Brought us into a deeper mystery yes. of Due South, this yes. song that cannot be found. Mm. By the way, Michelle, another thing. Again, I'm sorry, we're, we're a little alive of the shop because we've had a couple of weeks off from actually recording standard mm. episodes. So uh, forgive us if we're, we're out of our stride. But what rum were we having this week, oh, Michelle? Oh, goodness. We, we... I supplied the rum this week and it was? Lambs. I don't know why it's Lambs whiskey. Or lambs rum. Sorry, not whiskey. I don't know where that came from. Whiskey? No. Lamb's imported genuine navy rum. So we're bringing out the big guns this week. Yeah. And it's so. nice. Really enjoying this one. Well, what? not that I haven't enjoyed any of the others, but... Um, I was yeah. going to say, they've all been very enjoyable, just in their own way. Yeah. The other thing which I kind of need to clarify with the rules here, because, like, so the Mountie Moment episodes, I feel like, can be done without rum. Ooh, can they? I mean, ideally they're done with <laughs> rum, but... We had to record it at a last minute notice. Me and Lizzie were recording something else. Mm. We belled out a Mountie Moment episode. Okay. And I'm going to bank some other ones so we've got them just in case we need a spare episode. 
but yeah, I, 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 I think those could be excused with not having rum. Whereas a standard episode needs rum. But what if we record rum in the morning? Are we just going to crack open <laughs> some rum in the morning? Because that could be dangerous with you and me. Ooh, that sounds like an, a whole day of drinking rum there, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, it does. It, 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 it can't end well. So we're going to have to cross that bridge when we come to it. I'd say the one golden rule is we have to average a different rum per episode. So we've okay. already banked one because there was one week where we had the honey rum mm, and we had yes, another rum. Yes. So if we ever do have to do a morning episode, we do have a get out there. I'm also thinking... I don't want to use it. I'm just saying it's there. There's a lot of episodes for us to watch. Are there that many rums? It's only 68. You don't think there's 60... Is it 68? Look on the side there. What's, what's it? How many episodes is it? I think there's a total somewhere. 68. It's on the front. Yeah. 68 episodes. Okay. I think we can get 68 different rums. Mmm. There, there's certainly 68 out there. Especially if you add in supermarket ones, different varieties of the same brand. Yeah. So we didn't say they had to be different brands. Okay. Different rums. So, for instance, on the show, we've done Old Hopkins uh, Spiced. Mm. We haven't done Old Hopkins Dark. Okay. So that's definitely going to come up at some stage because that's, you know, available Aldi, which is just down the road from me. That's which is happen. not open at the moment. That's but... rather frustrating. That's not the point right now, though. Let's not get into the weeds <laughs> there. I feel like we're already getting very distracted <laughs> in this episode. We've got a lot of uh, Leslie Nielsen love to get oh, through. We really have, haven't we? We really have. And at the end, you're, of course, going to give your uh, top ten Canadians because you were so yeah, inspired by the episode you haven't heard yet. I can definitely think of ten famous let's, Canadians. Let's yeah. not get into that right now, though. We've, we've discussed the rum. That was important work. Okay. That's part of this podcast as much as, not as much as Juice South, but a little bit close to as much as Juice South is. Agreed. So. Shall we crack on? Let's crack on. There was an episode. We have watched an episode. Crack on, which almost sounds like Kraken, which is another one, which we'll get to in another week. I do like that run. Exactly. See? (laughs) It's going to be too easy. Okay. Although we are going to go over 68 episodes because I've already got ideas for like, I mean, it would be great to do a Leslie Nielsen one. Mm-hmm. Like, we've got the Leslie Nielsen and uh, uh, Paul Gross vehicle, which is Broom Men? Is it Broom Men? Yeah, bro- yes. I think you said Broom Men. Yeah. yeah. There, there's so much to get through. Don't worry. We're, okay. we're not going to run out of rums. We're going to run out of episodes. Okay. We're good. <laughs> okay. We're not going to run out of mini mounties. That one I'm not no, worried we, about, but that's won't. not the point. We won't. <laughs> we won't. Even if we have to do Even if we have to get people off the street. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to be mini mounty? Uh, what? Sorry, stop accosting me. We'll go around some local pubs and we'll be fine. She'll <laughs> <laughs> be a mini I'll buy you a drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be a mini And it'll be a drink of rum, and it's going to be a different rum from one we tried before. <laughs> we'll be fine. Yeah, we can do it. It's going to be great. Uh, so, Leslie Nelson. In this episode, I mean, this just cover to cover is an amazing episode. It is. In fact, we found the only flaw. Let's start with the only flaw we found was at the beginning. <laughs> the beginning. Yeah. At least they got the mistakes out the way. You know, let's get it done out the way first. I mean, you point out the the, the earliest mistake, which is the guy being pushed out of his chair. Yes. So. Yeah, we watched it, and I thought, oh, I think I've just missed something because I thought he must have like been like hit and I didn't see it or injected with something and I didn't see it who who must be who the it's driver tempted, there's tempted. a tempted. Oh, right. well, I'm imagine just, if the listener hasn't which I hope they have I'm watched the episode I'm assuming everyone has been watching it with us obviously. yeah but you got to reference who you're talking about anyway okay so the the big baddie of the episode he which is called manhunt no what's the name of the guy so the episode's manhunt 
The guy who's in question I is... never ever... Was it like McGregor or something, wasn't it? I never... No, I don't know. I said it and you were going to write it down. I don't know. I didn't. Well, I told you the I name. Never, I never actually got the... I told the you the name. I said, oh, well, make sure you write down that guy's name so we don't forget it. Well, guess what? You've got it. I didn't write it down. So okay, tell the little story and I'll look it up. The big baddie of the episode. So he's breaking out of a prison. And it's been, so he's on a bus. It's just him and there's the driver. And all of a sudden the driver just gets pushed out. And he climbs into the driver's seat. Yeah, and basically, as opposed to like... Because as you say, you imagine he's going to knock him out. Yeah. But he basically just pushes him out of the seat, looks down on the floor and goes, yep, that's that covered. And... I guess you're meant to assume he's somehow banged his head or something. It's really bizarre, isn't it? And I... then, then the next step he does mm. is he looks to the passenger to by his side. There's an ashtray, picks up, chucks it out the window. No reason to do that. No. And there are multiple butts from the ashtray which are smouldering when it's on the curb. Was this guy just smoking a fistful of cigarettes at the same time? Was he smoking ten cigarettes per? Her smoke. It's really bizarre, isn't it? There's no explanation. No. Oh, by the way, this is episode... Oh, it's episode three, but it counts the pilot as episode zero. Ah, okay. So, effectively, the fourth episode of Due South. So, so yeah, I was right. We're on the fourth episode. And, of course, um, I don't know why you wouldn't have remembered that the name of the bad guy... I'm definitely not stalling while I look him up, <laughs> is uh, Harold Geiger, played by William Smith. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, he's not a young guy, but he's very active, apparently. He is. I mean, for his age, he's very fit. <laughs> I, um, yeah, we'll get into yeah. that, though. What's the first of the notes we've got? Because, you know, I made you write everything down when I ate pizza. <laughs> My first note was actually giggles. And this is because... At the beginning of every episode now, um, you know, they're showing little bits, little clips of, of what's happened throughout the series. Now, as we've started... Oh, and the, the credits. You yeah, mean. and the credits, yeah. So yeah. As, as we're watching these credits, I'm now recognising bits because we've watched a few episodes and I'm, I'm giggling. As I'm watching these yeah. credits at the beginning, I'm like, oh, yeah. We're just enjoying funny. the credits and most of it, like actually quite a lot of it's from the earlier episodes. Yeah. But there's one bit at the end as well where Fraser just flips over a car... Flips over again and stands on his feet like it ain't a thing. And I'm mm. going, oh, I can't wait till that episode. The credits are doing their job of, yes. of getting you into the show. I'm yeah. laughing what I've already seen. Can't wait to see what I haven't. It's it's a thing of beauty. And we're actually going to play on our first clip now because, mm. boy, does this episode get there fast. It... Which makes the border between Canada and the United States the longest undefended border in the world. So that since their formation, our two countries have found a peaceful way to coexist. Except for the War of 1812, where your country invaded ours and we sent you packing, but that's hardly worth mentioning. Now, I think I'll open the floor to questions. Yes? Do you have to undo all your buttons to go to the toilet? No. Anyone else? Yes? How many do you have to undo? Just enough to get your trousers undone. Yes? Do they have toilets in Canada? Yes, we do. Anyone else? Anyone else at all? Any other questions at all? When was the last time you were home? 
been far too long. See, it's another one of these just perfect moments where it just... We already know who Fraser is by now. But it's just solidifying, just him talking to a school. Like, that's what he does with the spare time. Of course it is. You know this isn't a paid gig. You know this isn't something they made him do. He's gone around the school going, do you want me to talk about being a Mountie? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no one he knows in that class. There's no reason for him to be there. Maybe there's a uh, Canadian culture remit they've got as the consulate. But I think Fraser just popped along going, do you want me to talk to your kids? <laughs> Not in a creepy way. Before that was creepy. Yeah, no, I think it's either that or the fact, you know, sometimes you see these these films and that, and they have a, a police officer that's talking to children. You know, maybe um, the school's got in touch with, with the police department and everyone's like, nah, I don't want to do that. And he's like putting his hand up. Oh, I'm quite happily going to go yeah. and talk to these kids. And as always, there is no fat on this episode. This, this one particularly, mm. there is nothing wasted. There is no point... Apart from that beginning bit, which we mentioned, <laughs> yeah. and kind of the, throwing the ashtray out, which I mentioned. The only reason for that I can think of is because they find some gum later from that. Yes. So I think that's a bit convenient. And mm. that, though, this is the thing beauty this episode. Because straight away, while he's giving this speech, uh, to always talking to these kids, which you said the kid who asked about the bathroom reminds, me, reminds you of, of your son, son, of Blake. <laughs> Which yeah. is kind of beautiful, or Mini Mountie number two, <laughs> Ooh, I think he is. Number two. two. Yeah, two. he's number two. Zero, zero, two. <laughs> but the, the girl who he knows from his childhood, who kind of, they have this beautiful thing of uh, her going, oh, there was one guy who I really loved who got away. And she always goes, oh, no, it wasn't you, Fraser. And it obviously was. And yeah. it's just, and he goes, he believes it because, mm. oh, it's just so beautiful. But, She's the daughter of Frobisher, who's uh, Les Nielsen's character, which leads into the whole episode. Yes. Everything is beautifully tied up. No scene doesn't lead to something else. So this fairly innocuous... This could be a cold open to any other show. To this show, it's part of the action. Mm. What's our next one? Our next bit, well... You know, funny enough, I'm going to go into um, shirts... Shirts. Shirts. Yeah. From Your that complaint that the Fraser wears one at all times. Well, obviously, that's a big complaint of mine. But not what I'm going to um, talk about here. Um, hold on. Let me cup down for some more drink. Well, I was going to try to suddenly <laughs> do that so people didn't know I was about a poor run. But no, no, no. No, sure. no, no. Please signpost it. I will do. I will do. So any, any poor sound you have in the background while Shell's talking, that's me pouring rum. Yeah. You might have to get used to that as a listener <laughs> of this podcast. Yeah, so a big problem that I had with this episode, and maybe it's a bigger problem than it should be, but Ray's shirts. Now, oh, oh yeah. I think we've made a bit of a deal about his shirts in the previous episodes. As they deserve to be made a deal. Definitely, they're a little bit special, and I think they say something about his character. Say something about his character? They say something about the uh, time the show's made in. Yes, (laughs) yes, a bit both. So when... um, the first time we see him in this episode, he's wearing a very, very plain, dull, light brown shirt. And I'm thinking, oh, that's not like Ray. What's I know. going on? I know. And I've got a theory behind this because, um, yeah, it is, it is very disappointing. The first two, he wears three outfits in the show for a start. Yeah. Very on Ray. Ray is kind of like what he's wearing is wearing. Yes. But he opens in a scene which we will play in in a minute. He opens wearing 
Is it gold? Kind of. It's well, kind of I quite a bright. a light brown shirt. Brown, but it's kind of like it's um, uh, uh, glossy and shiny. Mm. It's kind of a shiny shirt. So kind of brownie goldy. I think. Yeah, anyway, maybe he's wearing that shirt, but very plain. Mm. Next outfit he's wearing, and even if it's gold, I know that sounds like it's jazzy, but we used to Hawaiian from this guy. <laughs> we used to bright nineties yes. colours. Monocoloured, mono even if it's mm. gold, that's not bright enough. Here. If it is gold, it's more of a bronzy thing, actually. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's more that kind of colour yeah, we're talking about. Next thing, you're wearing a suit. Yeah, suit Ray is tie. wearing a suit and tie. When does Ray wear a suit and tie? Never. And then finally, we get a bit more Ray. We get a shirt which is, yes, it's black with white, but it's kind of quite a lot of pattern, quite a lot of design, maybe a little over designed, which is perfectly Ray. Mm. We would have accepted that shirt, I think you'll agree. We would. I think we still would have been a little bit disappointed at the colours, but we would have accepted it. But I think they purposely try to tone it down for the nature of this episode. They know they're going for a, uh, not always serious, but certainly a more serious, more heartfelt episode. This has got a lot more of a punch. I think they don't want race shirts to be such a distraction. I think they went too far to, towards the beginning. Maybe that's why wardrobe goes. What the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> we Lots can't top set. this every week. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get it. Let's let's get rid of this suit and let's go back to some more Ray kind of things. Mm. So that's why I think they changed him is because they wanted him to to be back to to what he usually is. But uh, yeah, I'm not loving that. I'm not loving mm-hmm. that. But considering this episode, I'm going to forgive a lot because everything else is just so darn perfect. Yes, but. I'll for- I will forgive it in this episode, but I have to say, with the next episode, I really want him to come back with his shirts. You, you want I him want, to go it, hard on it. I want it to be special. I do. What, what kind of what kind of colours are we looking at? We, are we talking about the shirt equivalent of uh, Sixth Doctor um, uh, Colin Baker? Like he had that that rainbow coloured thing. Yes, of jacket. course I know exactly what you're talking about there. He basically had this jacket, like which was like Joseph-esque, like okay, Joseph and his Joseph. Technicolored. So Joseph is Technicolored dream coat, to, to use a non-Doctor uh, reference if I have to. <laughs> Thank you for using one from the Bible, that helps. Oh, sorry, no, you've not heard of Joseph, have you? <laughs> you've never seen that, that, have you seen the play? No, I haven't seen it, but I do, I seen I do know what the um, shirt, um, shirt the, um, the coat looks like. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, sorry, we're just going to have a little preview of the scene I'm about to play. So uh, we're going to go to our next clip. And you think this is the man who stole your cat? Walmart's on his cardigan. Yes, that's very conclusive. Um, you know, it's going to be a little difficult for me to break away from the case that I'm currently working on. But if you'd like to call back and ask for extension 312, Detectives Huey or Gardena would be glad to help you. Yes, they've been uh, especially signed to handle all animal-related offenses. No, no, ma'am. Pleasure's all mine. How's it going? I need your help, Ray. Does it involve domestic animals? Not that I'm aware. Get on your man. Personal matter. See, this is another one of these um, these moments. Like, again, we know who Ray is by now, but it deepens it. Like, again, I don't feel like any of the moments we get 
are directly repeated. So, yes, we've had racing before, but this shows the kind of bullshit calls yes. that a everyday kind of uh, police station would get. Like, they're dealing with homicides and everything, and you get someone phoning up about their cat. As a cat owner... Yeah, bullshit like that. Understand. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I can understand where they I mean, it's not like from. it's a dog, which we care about. <gasps> it's, uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but let's face it. Um, but I love that. They, You're they, lucky they, I'm not a violent person <laughs> right now. That's all I'm saying. But there is that thing about, like, uh, it doesn't just concentrate on the characters. That's about the world in which they live. So that's Ray's world. So... I kind of think they do that thing on purpose as well, of separating Ray and Fraser for a few scenes. Mm. So you can sh- see what Ray's day would have been like if Fraser if wasn't there. Been that, yes. So uh, Fraser's day might have been visiting his school. Ray's day would have been dealing with a cat stuck up a tree or something yes. and then passing off to the uh, <laughs> other officer who doesn't like. crimes department. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so... Sweet, and I I love that. I love the fact that it kind of shows a procedural kind of side to it mm. as well. Definitely. So it's it's almost like you feel like if this was a standard cop show, you'd have that call. Then you know someone would come in with a big murder. Yeah. But Fraser just comes in, going, "I need to help with something." Thank God, I want to get the <laughs> fuck out of this thing that I don't want to do. It's pretty damn sweet. Pretty damn sweet. So Michelle's saying she really wants a Wii. Oh, Why did you write that down? I mean, it's really weird. Because I didn't uh... want to say it out loud. Oh, you don't want to say it out loud? Oh, we better not do that then. I mean, that would be embarrassing, if anything. I would. would I'm so glad that that's not on the podcast. Yeah, thank God. I I hate to do an announcement (laughs) that you need a Wii on the podcast. Mike Mann, do not cut that out. (laughs) No, please do. By the way, uh, Michelle, go away. I'm going to have a Wii then. I'm going to talk to Mike Mann for a minute. Okay. Well, now I feel like I'm going to be missing out or something. That's fine. You can listen back to it later. So, Mike, uh, you, you, you're going to be editing this podcast. Leave this in, by the way. Uh, Michelle, yeah. you're just going to make noise with the door. Just, just go have a wee. So, go have a wee. So, Mike, uh, if you'd like to just... Let's have a chat with you for a while. Let's, let's let the listener meet Mike Mann. So, you're editing this Due South podcast. Uh, if you'd like to let us know, Mike, what are your memories of Due South? Do you remember it? Did you watch it yourself? Uh, are you a fan? Well, to be honest with you... I've never even heard of the show. I see. But from what I hear so far, it sounds like it's not a bad show, but I'm not sure it's on here in the U.S. anywhere. Okay. Right, so that's Mr. Mike Matt. Uh, Thank you, Mike, and uh, thank you for editing these episodes, by the way. You're welcome. My pleasure, buddy. So we're going to get back into the action with this in a second with Michelle, uh, but again, just, just it, it's, it's been so fun doing this podcast so far. I'd like to, to thank... Uh, Matt Lees, as always, for doing our theme tune. I'd like to thank the Wonky Spanner Network. Let's get that out of the way while I'm vamping for time while Michelle's having pee. It's amazing they put up our show every week. Please go to thewonkyspanner.com to check out all the other wonderful podcasts that you can find there. Everyone treat. Go to a show such as Nerd vs. World and uh, the Wonky Spanner podcast with, with, with our patron saint of, of this podcast, Mr. Uh, Simon Spindles Potast, or as we like to call him, Mini Mounty 8 Oh, Michelle, you're back. I, I mean, yeah. to be honest, with you, I could vamp for another five minutes. I just snuck back in and pretended that didn't happen because that would be unprofessional. Yeah, I mean, we'd hate for everyone to know that you went for a wee. Thank That'd you. Be embarrassing. Yeah, that, that's not 
talk about it. I was just chatting to Mike Mann. He had some fascinating things to say, which I can't wait to hear when he adds them in. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, so, back to the action. So, so, yeah, so I think there was something that you wanted to talk about with the watch. What, what, you why? said, write down watch shit. So that is what I did. Michelle, what's that mean, though? No, only kidding, I remember. Uh, <laughs> there, it's another one of these moments where it's like when I'm watching Sherlock or mm. any Sherlock Holmes esque show. So, all the ones based you know, on the original South Conan Doyle. Mm. I think, how do they actually think of this shit? So, like, you know, when, see, Moffat in, in, in Sherlock, when he writes something which involves this deep logic bit of, like, oh, well, if you'll see the crumbs on his shirt, that means he was in uh, Jersey on the island uh, a few months back. And, like, you know, then they've got to justify why that makes sense. Yeah. I can't think like that. But they write in here that there's a service watch from uh, Frobisher, He's played by Leslie Nielsen, which he gave to the ship guy who took him on a garbage scowl. I think it was a garbage scowl? Yeah. From Canada yeah. to the uh, to, to the Americas. The Americas? <laughs> yeah, to the Americas. <laughs> to Chicago. He, he took him to Chi- Chicago. 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 <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> the Club. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it's the music club, so. so uh, <laughs> So the reason why he knows that though is because he had the watch and he goes, um, like the one I wear of my dad's. Mm. So he kind of brings in his dad again, which is a theme of this episode. Again, it's so tight, but also who thinks of that? Like there will have a Mountie service watch which has certain serial number and everything, and it's mm. Fraser's the one who would notice that from across the room. Of course. It's beautiful. So that's the watch shit. Yeah, thank you for that shit. <laughs> I didn't think it was that shit, but okay. <laughs> it wasn't. But I think that leads us quite nicely into the um, the bribe, shall we call it, the man with the pigeon on his back. Oh, yeah, that's very nice. <laughs> this is so it, slick. It was a very nice touch, wasn't it? Um, shall I even oh. Yeah, that wasn't me talking. Um, is it, so they, um, they're trying to find... I'm going to call him Buck. Buck Frobisher. Yes, Buck Frobisher. Buck Frobisher. Very manly name as well. Buck. Oh my God, we'll in a minute get on to how manly he is. Um, we, we enjoyed his manliness in this episode. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they're trying to find him and, you know, I think Ray, he's got his contacts, hasn't he? And, yeah. And I think they're pretty much well, told, no, no, they're told they're, which, they're, um, Yeah, they're told where to go, where to, go. to find him. And they've got the guy behind the desk in the uh, sleazy hotel. hotel, motel kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I do get the feeling that um, Ray knows him. <laughs> yeah, he might do it. Yeah, you know, you say that. It might be true. But I just love the fact that uh, it's showing him a picture and he goes, no, I definitely don't know this guy. And without breaking a beat or looking up from uh, the, is it TV he's watching? He holds out his hand for a bribe yeah. and they hand over the bribe. And it's just so, like, uh, that scene would work fine if he'd looked over to him and goes, Oh yeah, thank you, you know, and taking the money. But he, he just doesn't look up. At no point does he look up. And it's just this most bizarre thing that this pigeon is just on his back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? You get the feeling it's like um, in the Capra movie, Frank Capra, who did the Jimmy Stewart old uh, movies. Yeah. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, Miss Smith mm. Goes to Washington. Can't take it with you. I believe they were yeah, their three uh, you know, films they did together. But he would always put in this 
bird, I believe it was a raven, and it would always be in all the films. So if you watch It's Wonderful Life, there's mm. a bird who's on Uncle Billy's shoulder, and it's his pet bird. And he's snuck into all the movies because it was his bird. It was Frank Capra's bird. Okay. I think it's got to be the same thing. There's yeah. got to be someone who's working on here. Maybe Paul Haggis <laughs> owned a pigeon. <laughs> it's not even on his shoulder. It's just, it's just he's leaning over a little bit and it's on his back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really weirdly framed. It's very bizarre. But it's very... But I love very it. Very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. I love it. There's no reason for it. Like, when I say there's no fun in this episode, there's no reason for that. <laughs> Damn it if I don't enjoy the hell out of it. Absolutely. So, uh, we're going to go into our next clip, which is... When Buck Frobisher, Leslie Nielsen, enters into the scene. You track a man about as quietly as I pass wind. I'll uh, wait for you downstairs. Julie asked me to find you. Yeah. I'll send her a postcard. She's worried. Nothing will happen to her if she just stays away from me. I don't think she's worried for herself. I'm fine. Who is it? You're waiting for somebody or you wouldn't have that. So what are you going to do? Protect me? I'd do whatever I could. Look, I'm probably sure you little piss hand. I've taken more men down than you've ever met. The day I take help from a boy like you, the day I'll put this to my own head. Wanna do something for me? I'm out of here. much in that just what's a minute long two minutes minute and a half I think it is yeah about a minute and a half first of all Buck Frobisher mm. amazing character now you were saying Leslie Nielsen about him being very serious in this yes and he's not throughout the whole episode it, it, it's not all serious with him but this scene in particular it is it's all serious well if I might the beauty of this is and we talked about this a bit last week on the Mountain Moment which you're yet to listen to as mm. this comes out no as this comes out you will have listened to it as this is recorded yes as we record yeah Aft. yeah uh, but we were talking about Leslie Nielsen for a while and how he guest appears in, in due south mm. the beauty about him is and the reason why he had a second career as a comedic actor it's really weird to think of his second career because he started doing it in the 70s when he did the uh, police squad TV show yeah. which later on became the Naked Gun films mm. But when he was asked to do that, and I'm sorry to retell an anecdote two weeks in a row, but Michelle hasn't heard it yet. Uh, they told him, like, the Zucker Brothers, I believe, which has made that TV show and the, that, those films and Airplane and all those things. He apparently came in and auditioned and he played it up and he played it silly and played it in kind of uh, this kind of goofy way. Mm. They said, 
No. The reason why we hired you was because you were famous for things like Forbidden Planet at the time and, um, oh God, what was the Aeroplane? I believe it was Aeroplane, which is what Airplane was a spoof of. Oh, right, okay. He was in the original film, which that spoofed. Yeah, so I don't think I've seen that. The reason why they hired him, though, was because they said, it's like, look, you're such a great actor, play it straight, and that's why it'll be funny when you do all this really fucked up stupid shit. And he did, and the second he did that, and he kind of got it, they were like, that's genius, and that's when it became what it became. And that's why I kind of got annoyed with some of his later films, where he was playing it for laughs. Mm. It just wasn't as funny as when he was... He was playing this really silly stuff dead straight. And that's this. Like, this scene is actually straight up. Like, there's no jokes in there. There's nothing silly in there. I mean, okay, the the line, which is a fucking good line. Well, the first one. Uh, you, and, and I remember this episode, this line from watching it previously. It's like, you uh, track a man about as quietly as I break wind. Mm. Fucking brilliant line. It is funny, but it's very... A serious line. It's not him... Like, that character isn't being silly saying that. It just is kind of giggly because he's talking about farting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, and our childishness, yeah. it's very straight up. And this is kind of, it's moments like these which really show me how good an actor Paul Gross is. I, 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 it, it befuddles my mind why he didn't go on to do more famous roles. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure he had a great career. I'm sure he'd, he's done loads of stuff. We're not even aware of. He did some music, I know. He went on to be in one series, which got cut off about halfway through, uh, the, which is Eastwick, the TV show version, mm. where he reprised that he took on the Jack Nicholson role. Okay. But, my God, he can hold his own with Leslie Nielsen. And how does Leslie Nielsen in this, by the way, look younger than some <laughs> of the movie roles he did before this? Good makeup artist? I think there's a degree of that. I think they've done a thing because you certainly see it later when he's... I mean, this... It's genius the way they do this as well. Because in this scene, he's a broken man. He's got... I think they have used some clever shadowing makeup mm. to make him look in the shadows, like make him look disheveled, yeah, unclean shaven. He's stubbly, doesn't he? But that makes him look rugged, which somehow, yeah. conversely, makes him look younger. It's weird. But it's not so manly. But I think later on they don't do that shadowing effect mm. with the makeup. And yeah, again, it's subtle. It doesn't look like he's wearing a load of makeup. But the way he looks fresher later, I think that is kind of the use of makeup. Mm. And probably like, yeah, because it makes it look as if he's got like a five o'clock shadow. Yeah. Which he does later. And just, oh, he just looks so great. And as you say, it's just, it's, it's straight up. Like he's talking about putting gun to his head. Yeah. There is not a scintilla of of joking around in this, and it's important to remember he was always a great actor. He just did some funny stuff later, which he was great at. Yes, I think that's the only stuff of his I've ever really seen. It's always been the silly stuff. So to see him in this scene particularly, it's quite striking just to see, you know, just what a good actor he is. Yeah. And I think he, maybe because he's done so much silly stuff, maybe... Me, maybe it's me, I haven't recognised him as being such a good actor. But you see him do something like this, and he really is. And it's it's a great scene. I love it. Yeah, uh, it's... Uh, and it sets up the whole rest of it. Yeah. The fact that he's... And again, we've shown that he is... Or they've shown, we... Uh, they've shown that he's run away from this guy mm. as opposed to facing him. Yeah. He is broken... 
uh, it took his daughter for him to even like uh, let Fraser in. Oh, and there's a great bit which comes before it when he uh, there was kind of a lot of unspoken stuff between Fraser and Buck. So when they're walking up the stairs to the flat, he's going uh, to Ray. Oh, he already knows we're coming. He goes how, and then they step on some glass which he's put down on the ground. Yeah. So he'd hear the noise, and you know. Fraser's line suggests there's already other things which he's put in place which maybe we wouldn't see but they would mm. know as kind of like Mounties. Yeah. They know that he'd set up something to to tip him off that they're coming. It's just That's genius. Great. Like, I, you know, so maybe great. the guy at the desk the second he, he goes out of sight phones him to let him know as well. Phones up to his room. I like to think he's put in place something like that as well. Like, you know, throwing him throwing him a few bucks so that guy is taking a bribe from them to know where he is but he's also taking a bribe from him to let them know when they're coming I like to think the pigeon flies up there <laughs> <laughs> oh that's genius they've got war the <laughs> they've got World War 2 <laughs> yeah Buck just, just grabs a little note and goes cheers <laughs> just reads it goes right okay take it away then I don't have any evidence <laughs> as far as anyone knows no one knows you're here he Gives a little beak nod, you know, <laughs> little um, uh, 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 salute little with salute his with wing, wing. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the uh, James Bond films, there's something called the pigeon double take. Is there? There's a one of the Roger Moore films where something surprising happens. I forget what it is or which film it's from. There's a pigeon that goes, <laughs> does this double take. Yeah. I like to think the same pigeon. <laughs> He aged very well. <laughs> he got a lot of work in the 80s and 90s. He's still going, bless him. Yeah, I mean, he's great. He's a veteran now. It's like, uh, he comes out... pigeons look up to him. Yeah, he comes out for some sort of like... Uh, much like Piro Tool in his later work. He comes out, just one scene steals the show. <laughs> uh, what's our oh, next note? He's making so much about pigeons. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's quite a pigeon chunk. There's not every podcast you get that much about pigeons. Do you know what? I've made a note here, and I can't 100% remember it. Spreading hips. What was... Was this uh, was, um... Fraser in Hospital? No, 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 this wasn't, because that was thigh. Oh, that was thigh. <laughs> you were raised the size. That was thigh. There was, there was a comment about <laughs> something like old men spreading their hips. I wish I could remember it. Now. Oh, really? Yeah, because there's a thing about... Um... They, yes, because uh, Fraser, just after this, listens to, or reads, sorry, and we hear the voice of his dad, He's and he's reading his journal, Yes, that which was becomes a non-money yeah. thing in the first series. He's reading the journal of his dad, and this gets back to something I mentioned before. That guy was in maybe 10 minutes of the pilot, which mm. wasn't meant to be a pilot, it was meant to be an hour and a half TV movie. They cast the perfect guy. He in every episode he appears of Juice Cell. You see him later on, after death, of course. Yes. Uh, but in these earlier episodes, he just appears as a voiceover, and his performance is is amazing. You know, really draws you in. And he's telling the story about how he get you know was off his game. He gets uh, caught in a bear trap, mm. and then it's Buck who comes and saves him, which cements in the relationship between his dad and and uh, Leslie Nielsen's character. Very nice, very tight. And yeah, they, there is a line about uh, 
goes, uh, as Buck was taking me back and I'm lamenting the fact that men's hips spread as they get older. <laughs> like, he's talking about universal truths and that's one of them. <laughs> it's such a funny little random line. They're in the middle of such a serious bit and they just chuck in that funny line. And I've also picked up on spreading hips. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yeah, he goes, something about men's hips spread as they get older. Some, it was something like that, yeah. Which I think is what why is he's it? saying he fell into the bear trap. Yeah. Or the animal trap, whatever the it is. Trap, yeah, just liked that little line there, so I wrote it down. Oh no, it's hilarious! And <laughs> again, it's a really nice scene. Uh, what's the next bit? Uh, the next bit was actually, um, I think, as they were trying to set the scene of you know this bad guy. We did find out his name, and I've forgotten it again. Um, I just looked it up. I'm, I'm not looking up again. I don't know. Okay, well, fine. I think fine. You could have written it down when I looked it up before. Where's my phone gone? So one of the things they say about him is. Um, he pretty much killed every single... Harold Geiger, as I'm remembering now. As you're remembering as you look at it, yeah? Shh. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> Just like no one know you went for a pee. <laughs> but he... Every single... I will say cop, because you know, I'm feeling very American right now. Every single cop that came near him was killed. Apart from Buck. You know, he... Yes. They kind of listed like all these like police officers that had been killed by him. Isn't that in this bit we're about to play? Probably. Um, yeah, yeah, then, yeah, it is. But Buck managed to arrest him. Let's go this clip. All right. Came over the wire, so as usual, I decided to drop my life and bring it on over. I appreciate it, Ray. You know, this guy must be 60 years old. It doesn't look that dangerous to me. In 1978, Harold Geiger held up a bank in southern Michigan. A guard tried to stop him. He shot the guard and two other employees. The police and the FBI pursued him across five states. Before he crossed into Canada, he killed two FBI men, a state trooper, and a highway patrol officer. Once across the border, he broke through a massive dragnet, killing a local officer, two provincial police officers, and two members of the RCMP's emergency response team. In short, he killed every cop that got close to him, except one, Buck Frobisher. Frobisher tracked him up to Whitehorse, caught up with him on a railroad bridge. A struggle ensued. Geiger went over the edge, and at the last second, Frobisher caught him by the arm. Dangling there, 200 feet above the gorge, Geiger reached into his belt, pulled out a hunting knife and jabbed it hilt deep in Frobisher's leg. Still, Sergeant Frobisher managed to pull him up, cuff him, and take him in. And this guy's coming here to my city? I believe so, yes. God, I hate tourists. How beautiful is that? But uh, yeah, thank you for explaining yeah. the very clip which I was going to play, Michelle. That's that's well, really helpful. Of you. <laughs> he said it better than I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> but the thing is, I love about what was it? What was the line when when they were going into that clip? I don't know. Should it come to paying attention? Oh, apparently neither am I. That's not fine. <laughs> so. I love that. That that's a perfect example. Of Fraser telling a story which is laden with exposition. It's a real subtle way. So he's telling a story of something that's happened in the past, but it relates to what's happening mm. now and actually gets exposition out of the way, which is sometimes very hard to. Um, sorry about that. Which is very, some, sometimes very hard to kind of meld into um, an episode. Mm. So if you have to explain what's happening, that's dull. If you slip it into a story, that yeah. sounds like he's just, it's so conversational. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's forced in there at all. 
No, definitely. Thanks, Lane. Sorry, Sorry no, Michelle. I was... <laughs> Excuse me for being slightly distracted by what's on the screen right now. <laughs> what would that be, Michelle? <laughs> Massage therapy. So there's clearly a hooker. <laughs> so by, side, by the way, what business has on the side of it? Not in front of it, but on the side it just says Massage therapy next to the hooker. So like, <laughs> like, what? Does she just flip it over so it's blank when she's not there? <laughs> Or is that meant to be somewhere in the building where the sleazy hotel is? Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> basically you just may as well say, hook her right here and an arrow point into the girl. That's quite bizarre, isn't it? But I I think later on you see a, a sign. Like when they go back inside the hotel later on, I think it says something about... Uh, there's something to do with like explicit something or pornographic something. I think this is probably quite a well-known um, naughty establishment. Yeah, and and uh, the thing I love about this, Michelle, is this used to be your old job, didn't it? Oh well, not quite. Oh no, so your old pastime. Yeah, just pastime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Both the massaging and the other side of the business. Hookering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You still used to do either for money. <laughs> Oh, have you know I did neither for nothing. <laughs> it was all for free. You just made yourself yourself sound worse than I, I did. <laughs> when I was younger, in my younger days, I did a massage course, but I <laughs> it sounds really I had to have an operation so I never completed the course. But there was no happy ending for there you. There was no happy ending for me, but <laughs> but I'm making this for other people. <laughs> so I never completed the massage course, but I, you know, as part of the course, obviously I had to practice. I did massages. Went off a few men. No, 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 no. There wasn't that. That never happened. <laughs> Only in your spare time. Yes. That was a very separate thing. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've reduced this to smart now. But, uh, oh yeah, I remember the thing leading into the scene. Actually, just quickly to finish off the masseuse. <laughs> I like the fact that she appears later and you yes. said it's like, girl, she's working in my house. She's on all day, all night. Um, but yeah, leading into that scene where they're walking down the hallway and he's telling that story. Mm. When they're going in, I love the fact that Ray's going and like, yeah, as usual, when you call me, I just dropped everything and came over. I like to think that's kind of similar to earlier on in the story. He had some call which he didn't want to deal with. Fraser calls him, he's going, thank fuck. He thank gets fuck. there and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I came here. You're lucky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there was a dog barking at someone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't want to well, deal with it. if it was a dog, no, that's a serious thing. <laughs> Cats. Cats. Doesn't matter. Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We know the priorities on this podcast. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, what, what have we got up next? We got we got we so many got, notes. This is this going to be. There are a lot of notes. We're on, this is going to take. Oh, we're just over now. We're over, just over now. Hour and six at the moment. All right. Yeah, we got plenty of time. The next note I've taken, I think, was um one of your favourites. Since you even stopped to take a picture of it, Deefen Baker on the bed. Yeah, I sent this to uh, <laughs> to my stepdaughter uh, uh, from previous marriage. Yes, I am single, ladies. Um, I'm a single ladies. I'm, I'm a single, single ladies. ladies. I'm a single ladies. <laughs> the musical episode. <laughs> God, we can have nothing left for Christmas if we keep on doing stuff like this. Um, 
another we're planning a musical episode for Christmas, by the way. But uh, stop listening. I just love it. It just any dog owner will recognise this moment. You've got uh, Stephen Baker up on the bed, and then there's this kind of like some sheets and uh, pillows set up on the floor, which uh, Fraser's on <laughs> right next to the bed, which Stephen Baker's taken over. It's like spread out, like ah. So I had to take a video of it and send it to Amy, uh, yeah, same as Steph Johnson, just going like, uh, yep, this is pretty much what it's like when Dottie comes around to visit me yep. or to stay. Same <laughs> so visit. He, she lives here half the week. Um. I don't know why I felt the need to spend that, but anyway, uh, yeah, that that dog owners will understand. Mm. Um, uh, what, what's what's the next little note there? The, my next note is um, our next note. I was very our. lazy. <laughs> okay, our next note is um, it's back to Leslie Nielsen, his character Buck. Yeah, we give a, up, we give so... a buck on this podcast. <laughs> we do, we do. So Fraser's doing his usual standing outside the consulate um, in his uniform. People taking pictures of him. He can't move. Buck turns up in full Mountie uniform. Which he hired yeah. from a shop. Oh, hired there's from the, a shop. That's one of the best lines. It's like, uh, yeah, so you went home to get your uniform? Oh, so no, so you're on the run, but you remember taking your uniform. It's like, no, I had this from the shop. If it's not back by Thursday, I have to pay extra. <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful. Doesn't need to be there. It's not played for laughs at all. No. That line is delivered so straight, but that's what makes it funnier. If they go and say, and it has to be Brad Thursday, wah, wah, wah. which I don't know why that's when single ladies, but we end in the same oh, way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it's not played up at all. It's just. No. Straight, which it just kind of makes me think, oh, you hired it from where? Okay, you're not even in Canada and you're hired. Yeah. You've managed <laughs> and to And it doesn't hire. look like a fancy dress one. That's the deluxe Mountie yes, uniform. This is a good one. By the way, I found a couple online. Really? I'm just saying we might have to buy some at some really? point. <laughs> Already, my husband, Gary, he wants a Mountie hat. He's a ma- he's now he's one of our mini Mounties. Yeah. He's like, do I get a hat? I'm like, mm, you'd have to buy your own. Mini Mountie number five, zero, zero, 005. Yep. He wants to get a Mountie hat. Nice. We're we're in favour of dress up on this podcast. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it's no more. Uh, so Leslie Nelson, uh, yeah. So he uh, he's got the outfit, and this is the first of a a joke which is called back a few times of mm. him. Uh, they get horse, and he kind of like does the uh, they rear up Rearing on it. Up. He falls and goes taxi, please, and they call up back a couple of times. Which leads to a beautiful ending where they do ride off on the horse and he isn't flipped off. And it's, yeah, because oh. yeah, the second time's on a motorbike. On a motorbike, yeah, yeah. Up the <laughs> on the floor. Yeah. Oh, it's just genius. Again, the Pratt Falls played seriously that. Yeah. Next one. It's so good. Um, yeah, we've got to fall off the horse. Suit now. See, then I've gone to raise suits, but I think we've we covered, covered that. We've yeah. covered Ray's Elaine. suits. Yeah, you had something to say about Elaine. Yes, well, the thing is. I love Elaine's character for the fact that, and this is something I love about Due South. In other shows, uh, such as Law and Order, there's now I've, I've heard of. I never watched Law and Order, but I've heard of the thing of. There's a lot of characters, including um, Ralph Garman, who does voices on uh, Family Guy, and he's on the uh, podcast Hollywood Babylon every week with Kevin Smith. He's starring in uh, our Christmas play, which we're doing for our other podcast, Gallifrey Dance. Whoop, whoop. He did a guest voice, which is just stunningly that great for us. Sense. But anyway, 
he played this uh, cop in the background who would always turn up, give a bit of exposition, then go away again. Mm. That was his only uh, part to play. And he joked that he was officer exposition. And it's the same thing with Elaine in these early episodes. She turns up, gives a bit of information, always makes a, com- a comment about uh, wanting to shag Fraser. And uh, there's usually another female <laughs> cop who's looking at his ass from, like, in the background of the scene then comes up to her at the end going, oh, I'd like to fuck that. Because <laughs> yeah, she doesn't say it quite like that, but basically... You know what she's thinking. Yeah, and they move it, the scene on. And that's basically her role. But, you see, and she's playing that definitely still at the moment. But as you see more and more episodes, you, I'm looking forward to it. That's, let's just say that. Over time, she becomes a solid part of the, the cast. Mm. And they build her up. And I, I like shows which are prepared to do that. Okay. Like someone can start as a background character, they can become a lead. Uh, it, it, Star Trek's another good example of something like that because there's a character uh, played by Colm Meany. He p- becomes uh, O'Brien, which is a transporter chief, which later becomes chief engineer on Deep Space Nine. Michelle, no, I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you stuff like, you already know. Point, but he like, started off being in background on a few episodes. Um, he was called Con, was his credit. Because he'd, okay. he'd be at the uh, little driving desk at the front of the Enterprise uh, in Next Generation. And he was just, he had two words and that was it. And then every episode he'd do a bit more. He became the main character. They built him up. He became like a main character in one of the spin-offs in Deep Space Nine later. And I like the fact that, that shows can evolve the character. Like Cleveland. Like Cleveland. <laughs> So, uh, we're talking Family Guy here, yeah? Yeah, we're talking yeah, Family yeah, yeah, Guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy the Cleveland show. I did as well. Yeah, it's, I it's great, it's great. Know, I we're it. completely digressing again, but I remember um, introducing that to my father-in-law, and he was like, but why would they make a, a programme all about Cleveland? He's like one of the most boring characters from the fam- from Family Guy. What? He said what? He, yeah, that's what he said. But then, no, 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 no. And Cleveland show is brilliant. <laughs> that's pretty damn good Cleveland. That was, that was very good. Yeah. I almost thought you were him. Yeah. Is it because yeah. I'm black? No, it's because you need to watch. <laughs> Actually, it's because he, he, the guy who does the voice is white. Is he? I only found out the other that. day. Didn't he was know. on a podcast and uh, they were talking about that. It's like how probably now he wouldn't get cast. Mm. They prob- probably that's a fair thing. <laughs> but uh, it do- it's never an insulting character. It's always kind of like very complimentary to the, the, the black community. And it's like it's very... It's not caricature in any way, but at the same time, yeah, do we need a white guy to play a black guy, even in voiceover? Mm, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that example exists. It's like a poo in, in The Simpsons. Mm. Can't defend on one, one level, but another level, bloody well love him. <laughs> now we're digressing, I feel. <laughs> I know, it's like almost like we're talking about something else, wasn't yeah. it? I know. Um... Oh, the car scene. I think um, 21 minutes in, I think we have another car scene to show. Well, thank you for letting me know that yeah, just I'm, I'm as you want it played. Yes, I'm glad that we've... Um... Oh, it says 21 car. How am I going to get that that was 21 minutes? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> am I dealing with amateurs here? <laughs> no, I think I am, though. <laughs> uh. Oh, even watching it in fast forward is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's <laughs> top quality vamping there. I, I go in. 
Okay, some teamwork, so listen up. Here's how it's gonna be. I go to the front door, you stay in the car. I go into the bar, you stay in the car. I question the locals of the whereabouts of one Walter Ho, you stay in the car. When I get back here, where do I find you guys? In the car. You know they're not gonna stay in the car. Yeah. This is such a great scene. Let's go. Right. Come on, please. When I come back, I expect to find you in the car. The main disappointment is that Deef did stay in the car. Yeah. Before we go in, there's something I should tell you. Do you see Deef and Baker gives an eye roll there? <laughs> Lincoln, I think it is, in these earlier episodes, who plays Deef and Baker. You worry too much. I just got this place put back together. You know how much it costs? I can't even get insurance anymore because of you. Someone get this group out of here. Look, this will be for a little bit. Chicago PD, pal, don't make me use my gun. That's it? That's my gun? Don't make me use May I have your attention, please? Thank you. Can I have one quick word? Anybody carrying illegal firearms, please place them on the bar. You're under arrest. That's very good. Now, place them on the bar. <laughs> you see, I've been here before. What I found is that this is... Uh, right, local custom. All right, we're prepared to overlook the firearms infractions. It being hunting season and all. No, no, sir, you keep that. All we want is information on the whereabouts of one Walter Ho. You want to know where Walter Ho is? You see, it's usually at this point that they'll start shooting, so if I might suggest that we just take cover behind that small wall there. Vincent, tell me where your father is. 956 Dearness Street. Thank you, young man. You <laughs> Very nice people, these Americans. You hear these stories? I'm telling you, this is a waste of time. There's no way he gave you the right address. I mean, it's... I mean, just, uh, I mean, just uh, that exit line alone of like, you hear these stories about Americans, <laughs> they've just had so many guns pointed at them. And it's it's a beautiful callback to the first episode mm. where uh, Fraser comes in and just does exactly the same thing, and now Fraser's one goes like, uh, "No, actually." <laughs> oh, I love that scene. <laughs> I really do. It's like, uh, oh, I've got a gun. Yes, there it is. There's my gun. <laughs> You're pointing at me right now. It's just beautiful. It's just it's. I it, actually okay. This is just us laughing now and going, "That was great, wasn't it?" <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But I. D- Actually, yeah, I played in that, that clip. I don't know if I can actually add anything to how awesome it was. No, it kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? It does. It, <laughs> it I, does. I think that's why I wanted to play it in. I just, I, I can't beat how great that is. Mm. What's, what's our next note, Michelle? Our next note is going to the man with, you know, the old man with the Zimmer frame. You know that when, you know, they're told, that guy at the end of the scene tells them where to go. Yeah. And they walk in, and it's people, it's old people playing bingo. Beautiful. Again, beautiful. Just, just, it's, it's, it's a tight little scene where they go to where they're told to go, and the guy, they go, put their hands up, and the guy on some plane puts hand up, falls flat on his back. Yeah. It's lovely. It's hilarious. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it couldn't get more basic slapstick. It is. But it's brilliant. And you can see what's going to happen. The second he puts his hands up, it's like, yeah, it's going to fall on his ass. Fall. And he falls on his ass. And it's funny. It, it it's is still so perfect. Funny. It's perfectly funny. 
completely and sells it. And it's played straight. Yeah. And this is <laughs> this is the thing. It is played so straight. And you could put that in a scene today or 20 years before. Yeah. And it would still be just as funny. funny. That kind of slapstick is timeless. And again, there, there is so... Actually, that's a very good point. There is something so timeless about this humour. That's why I think this stands up so well. Because there's... Yeah, there are some episodes where there's some definite 90s moments. And we point them out. <laughs> we do. And we, we enjoy them. <laughs> we, yeah, we do enjoy the hell out of them. But we've got to admit they're dated. They're not going to be for everyone. But most of it is just drama that works for any age. Mm. And it's not like anything else. You can't point to another thing and go, well, that's very Jew South-esque. Apart from Northern Exposure, maybe a little bit. Mm. Maybe did a little bit of the... Uh, but yeah, even then, not really the same. It's just one of its own. Uh, next note. I've written Nilsson Chameleon, which I yes. think was at, at your request. Yes. And I'm sure I said yes. that for a very good reason. He's a chameleon. He is. He's Why Nilsen, is he a chameleon? Because he's, he's Leslie Nilsson. Yeah, we know he's Leslie Nilsson. He's a chameleon. He can just, he can just blend in. Right, moving on. <laughs> I, I can't remember where I said that. It's something to do with them blending into scenery. Yeah, um, okay, yeah, so we're going to have to think now. Why? Let's yeah, let's do things on a podcast. That's that's always nice. Yeah, that, let's just sit here and I mean, think. some might call it dead air, but, but I call it thinking, thinking on a podcast. Thinking time, that's what yeah. that is. That's thinking time. Let, let's just move on. We've got enough notes. Don't <laughs> worry. We're already at, like, what, an hour? An hour 20. Oh, oh. oh. One of the best things in this episode, Deef and Baker breaking down the door. Oh, yes, yes. And we, we decided we're going to add a new category. Yes. The Deef and Baker moment the of the, best of the episode. The Baker moments. And I think there is going to be one every episode. Like, we, we found them in the... Po- I think, actually, we've probably done it without uh, categorising it. Mm. This is going to be the one. What What is... Sorry, yeah, on. I mean, that's, I have to say, like, in this episode, it could be like between three different scenes with him, actually. There's the one no, who's taken There's over one. the entire There's definitely bed. one, but okay, yeah, that's great. Take, and that's great. And then there was, oh, there was one, another one I was thinking of, I've forgotten now. I mean, there's what some great... De- Look, every moment with Stephen Baker is a great moment. Like, the fact that he sort of does an eye roll to the camera Maybe, when he's yeah. in the car, when they go, where, Ra- <laughs> yes. where uh, Fraser goes to him and says, I'll oh, stay in the car. And he turns to the camera. I swear he does an eye roll. <laughs> Watch it back. It's like the pigeon doesn't take, like I say. Yeah, and then, okay, the best scene of Stephen Baker. Yeah, it's unquestionable. He does a straight-up action scene. Yes, he, he does. He breaks down a fucking yes, door. Yes, he does. He's, he's a wolf-slash-dog, because we were debating whether or not it's actually yeah. a wolf who plays it or a dog who plays the part. I think it's probably a wolf, but probably I can't a wolf. say for sure. Probably a wolf. And we think it's Lincoln. Yeah. There were two uh and Bakers. Mm. We think it's Lincoln at this stage. Mm. And I can't be bothered to look it up. Nope. And I don't think you can either. <laughs> nope. Right. So we're going to say it's Lincoln. We're going, we're going with Lincoln here. We're going with Lincoln. It might be the other one, which whose name we can't remember. Sorry. Mm. Uh, but anyway, he breaks down the door. They have this uh, a wolf hurling itself at the door. Like, how much training does it take to get a wolf to hurl it? And it's not just its paws going against the door. Whole he's body. jumping. And he's jumping, throwing his body against the door until it basically eventually breaks open. Of course, they've obviously set the door to open. But my God, there's a look effect. It doesn't look silly. It just looks jaw-dropping. Yeah. You're going, that looks pretty fucking amazing. And I'm thinking, would my cat do that for me? 
I think Dottie would look at the door and go, nah, he'll live. <laughs> <laughs> and then my cat's like, she'll be back to feed me in a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know. I think our pets are on about the same level when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah no, but this is, this is a wolf stroke dog that is, that is willing to break down a door to try and help its owner. It, it's amazing. Oh. Uh, so that's our Diefenbaker moment of the week. We will award one again next week. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's... I mean, we've, we said this off mic before we started talking about it, but I think this is going to be a high bar. Mm. This is the one which is going to be tough to beat for quite a few episodes. There are some coming up which I can think might rival, rival it, but mm. it's not going to be any time soon. I think we've got a few episodes which are not going to be quite as good as this one because oh, it's, it's, it's a tough one to beat. It is, actually. It is. Um... I think the next thing I'm going to go for is, um, and I think all the ladies out there, and maybe some of the men. Oh, the single ladies. Oh, oh the single ladies. And the gay blokes. And the gay blokes. Yeah, single ladies, gay blokes, you know, maybe not even. Uh, married ladies. ladies. <laughs> 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 married. <laughs> Anyone, really. Anyone. Yeah. Everybody, people. Everybody. 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 Might agree with wants me. Wants to fuck Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> That, you know, it was a really nice scene when he was getting his um, thigh bandaged. <laughs> I mean, it's what it is at the end of the day. Like, it's uh, Fraser in bed uh, with the lady bandaging up his leg. Uh, thigh. <laughs> it's thigh, thigh, sorry, thigh. Thigh. And there's a bit where he goes, uh, sorry, uh, why is your other hand on my junk? <laughs> uh, it's part of the operation. She says, no, this didn't happen. <laughs> I'm very professional. Don't judge me right now. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a perfectly valid technique to steady the body <laughs> while we're bunching the leg. <laughs> uh, yeah, was that all you had on that? Just to just, just say you just enjoyed seeing uh, I just enjoyed thigh. the scene, that's all. I was just imagining a pull, myself, gross thigh. you know, bandaging a thigh, his yeah. thigh, yeah. thigh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that exciting on a usual day in hospital? No. No, it's not. No, no. no. <laughs> That's that's not my normal day at work. No, <laughs> no. Your experiences as a nurse may differ from this. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Definitely not this much of a pervert work. <laughs> Which I'm sure your clients appreciate. I'm sure they do. <laughs> clients, patients, patients, patients. Yeah, patients. we call them patients at the hospital. Sorry, because I'm a patients. sport worker. It's it's clients. Yeah, no, I have to say my. my and I equally am not as per- perverted at work. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, a lot of you know the majority of our patients come with abdominal problems. So if I'm touching the thighs, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my practice right there. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not a place I have to touch very often at work. you encourage not to. Oh, <laughs> uh, what, what's anyway? Yeah, yeah, there are other things in this episode other than his thighs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's move on from his thighs, and I don't mean move on to something else of his. Yeah, I think if we can um, move on to. Oh, you're just going to give me a time code now. You're going to give me a time code just when we need to play it. Yes, um, it sounds like you haven't got a problem with that. No, I can't imagine one. Yeah, I can't imagine. Why would I want any notice when to when you want me to play something? Yeah, I I don't know. Mike, man, leave this domestic in, please. (laughs) I just, I just. I'm sorry, dear listener. I, I just, I, I try and train her Don't up, make but... me sound like an amateur. When you're perfectly <laughs> good at doing that job yourself. 
What was the next bit? It was 32 minutes. Yeah. There was something. I think, um, I think you should take up Ray's offer. Protective custody, yeah. It's a smart thing to do. Well, you take it easy. Get some rest. Yeah, that'd be the smart thing to do. You remember that wallet that you stitched for your father when you were just a little kid? He showed you that? But he used it until it started to fall apart, and he used it even after then. When I brought him out that time, it must have fallen out of his pocket and got lost. When he got out of the hospital, the first thing he did was go back up there to try to find us. Did he? Yeah. So the thing I love about this scene is that they've got that lovely story of the wallet. Yes. Which, de- like, definitely that happened. Definitely he made the wallet for his dad. His dad used it uh, till it was falling apart. And then after. How sweet is that? It's so sweet. But there's this bit where he, Fraser says to him, you know, the bit where Fraser says to him, um, did you find it afterwards when he went looking for it? And he mm. pauses for a second and he goes, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> and you know he's lying. Yeah. I think that's such a purposeful but brilliant moment. Some might miss it, and I think it's not there that it matters if you miss it or not. Like, you might just accept that, yes, he did find mm. it. I think that pause is meant to mean he didn't he find didn't it. He didn't find it. Mm. It's so subtle, but so genius. It is. But I do also kind of think, as you know, with Benton Fraser. He wouldn't miss something like that, would he? What? Miss the lie? Like, yeah, well, you miss think, the lie. You think he knows? I think... I think he I think he wouldn't usually, but where it comes to his dad, he's got a small blind spot. Mm. Plus, Buck is like his uncle. Much like I am to your kids. I'm not actually their uncle, but I'm Uncle Ian. You're not Uncle Buck. I'm Uncle Squee. <laughs> uh... But yeah, Uncle Buck. Yeah, I didn't I know, you got that. You finally got that. Um. Anyway, <laughs> so he's like his uncle. Yeah. So I, I think he kind of like there's a little bit of blind spot where he does believe that because he wants to, and it's someone who he trusts, mm. who's grown up to trust, even though he's started to see him as more of a human being, and also he's laid up in the hospital, probably a bit of the goofy juice just <laughs> to uh, keep him going. <laughs> Goofy juice. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> Billy on Morphin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah the next thing I've got written down here is about the bad guy's age. Because he... I yes. don't know how old he is, but he looks like he's in his 70s. But yeah. my God, is he fit for I his mean, age? I mean, definitely that guy's in shape. You yeah. can see how old he is, but you can see he's in shape. Yeah. But some of the stuff he does... Jesus Christ. Are you kidding me? That he's climbing up elevator shafts and waves. He's abseiling down them. Yeah, throwing people over his shoulder like it ain't a thing. I mean, the scenes which are between him and Leslie Nielsen, that's bleep, same age, same kind of like fitness beyond their years. I can believe that. But when they're taking on younger people and just going, vroom, <laughs> I mean, there is a lovely moment. Just yeah. to cut ahead a bit. There was a lovely moment where... 
uh, Fraser knocks out uh, just with one punch this guy chucks him in is that one of the things we're going to go to yeah uh, okay awesome let's just talk about it <laughs> uh, there's a bit where um, Fraser just punched guy in the face he falls over falls into a box he just closes the box <laughs> yes. and they're saying let's take one of them out at a time and he just boxes up this bad guy which is great and just acts like it's not a thing. I know. It's and so... then uh, Buck goes to do the same thing. Punches him in the face. The guy doesn't fall down. Doesn't Punch fall him down. again. Still not falling down. He's just repeatedly punching this guy. And he's just standing there going, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. It's almost like he's stood like, yeah, I'll just wait until you've tied yourself up. Punch me all back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and everything, hell breaks loose. Yeah. Uh, what were the, the other notes I think we get I oh, think we, had, we, had, well, we had the motorbike wheelie on there which we kind of touched on only one yeah yeah move on to the motorbike um, I want to talk about how they get to that fun scene which we were just talking about where they punch them in the face there's a great moment where they kind of uh, they're outside and so the bad guys are held up in a warehouse which as far as we can tell there's no reason why they're in the warehouse yeah. but I don't care that's fine that's where they I are. don't need a reason that's why where they are that's fine why not have them there? But they realise the way they can get in through the sewers. And they look across the road and there's a sporting goods store. So they get a canoe and a lamp and they go through <laughs> the sewers. Beautiful. But also there's this moment where... Uh, this is a lovely thing. Again, it's about the same face. It actually gets back to my Darth Vader moment. It all links in. See, nothing's okay, wasted. Okay. Even no on the Juice South podcast, nothing's <laughs> wasted. Apart from us, by the end of the bottle <laughs> run. I love the idea that... Um, well, basically what is, uh, Leslie Nelson's character says that he stole my dignity. Like, I, I ran away from this guy. I want him to know I'm here to take it back. So it's something I need to do alone. And Fraser goes, understood. And they accept it. And Ray's going mad, Go, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're not armed, either of you. And he goes, uh, Fraser turns to him and goes, now, of course, if we felt he took something of us, then, of course, you'd have to come in as well <laughs> yeah. and take that back from him. And it's this unspoken thing of, like, I'm going to give you the dignity of, like, you have to go it alone. But if I can come up with a reason why I have to be with you, then that would be fine. <laughs> it's, an, it's another one of these unspoken moments where it's like, yeah. the suggestion for me is that they're both Mounties. They both have the same code. They both understand the honour system they're working mm. by. Both understand the tracking thing earlier, which is unspoken. Now they've got this unspoken moment of like, I'm going to help you out, but we're not going to ever say I'm helping you out. And then it's okay, because you still have your pride of saying that you're going alone. Much like David Prowse having the pride of uh, me just going like, yeah, I know, you're just making a big entrance. And he can then be the big man that he is again. Mm. That's what that moment is. Just pure class. It is. It's great. Loved it. Uh, I love that generational thing of like, it's it's already been suggested in the show that Fraser is his dad's son. So like he's continuing the tradition of mm. him. And in that moment, he becomes his dad's partner's partner. Mm. He's taking the place of his dad in yeah. that moment. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, like his dad would have done that for him as well. Like mm. that unspoken dignity that they give each other. Yeah, it's a bit of a special episode overall, it, it, altogether, isn't it? It's... I don't think there's more we can say on mm. it. I think it's so wonderful. It's such a perfect episode. 
I think we need to move on to. Uh, do you want to do the? Uh, we'll we'll give the. Um, God, we've done it as Mounties out of ten. We've given it Wolves out of ten. <laughs> we'll come up with something in a minute for how yeah. many somethings we give how it out of ten. Somethings. How many horses we give out of ten? <laughs> okay. We'll do that in a minute. But first okay. of all, we need to go for the business of uh, who's the most Canadian of the week. Mm-hmm. Who's the most American mm-hmm. of the week? I think there's one of them, <laughs> the Canadian, which might come very easily this week. It might be a little bit easy this week. <laughs> hey, chance would you say it was this Could week? Could we possibly have chosen the same person? I think we might have done. You going to say it? Buck. Buck Frobisher. Buck, Buck motherfucking Frobisher. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. The motherfucking Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Real life Canadian yes. as well. I like the fact in this show mm. they do use real Canadians as well. Yeah. It's no faux Canadians, as far as I know. No, um, yeah, he was my most Canadian. I have to say, I really, really, really struggled this week with the most American. Really? Yeah, I did. I would I think really, it's really obvious. Do you, do you, you want no, me to? You, you first. Shall I enlighten you? You first. Me first. <laughs> I wonder if you're going to agree with what I say. I, I just might. <laughs> I say it's everyone in the bar. <laughs> everyone? Yeah, everyone in the bar. Oh, see, like, I was I've done it before but I was thinking of going for the barman but you just went for everyone in the bar yeah everyone in the bar who pulls out a gun in fact the bartender's the only one I'm not going to include because he doesn't pull out a gun no because I was going to go for the barman again because he he, does play the bar though everyone else in the bar pulls a gun how more American could you get (laughs) I'm sorry Americans listening I'm not saying you're all gun obsessed but there is definitely that that swathe of Americans and and, uh, with gun legislation and stuff you've got to say that's in your culture okay yeah the only person I maybe thought of was the barman so are you going to go with the barman or are you going to go with my suggestion no no I'll, I'll stick to my gun with my guns <laughs> you're going to stick to your lack of guns boom yeah. yeah my lack of guns to say the barman and you'll go for everyone in the bar so apart from the barman yeah so you're going to go with the only American without guns the most American yeah that tracks he was just an honest guy trying to make a living in this difficult situation. Yes, yeah. we can. <laughs> that was my American right there. <laughs> okay. Sorry for the accent. So I'm going to go with gun nuts. Look, look, it's like not all English people have crumpets and tea every day. But if you saw someone doing that on screen, you have to go, that's the most English person. Okay. Not all Americans are gun nuts, but if you see one on screen, you've got to say it's the most American in my books. That's all I'm saying. So I'm not saying that's all of you. So again, no offence, just saying. Just most of you. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, we're tea and crumpet eaters and drinkers. That's fine. So, how many uh, horses out of ten do you give this? It's got to be high up there, isn't it? It's difficult not to I'm gonna go ten. ten. Yeah. I'm gonna go ten. I, I I'm not I'm not even worried about giving you that. Okay. I'm not like other ones, this is why I've had to go a bit more cautious with other ones because mm. I knew this kind of standard was coming. We couldn't give those others ten out of ten because this. Yeah, and, and the others have been good, but I think we both knew this was gonna be a really good episode. And it was. It, it didn't. It was. Didn't well, that was almost a little bit yeah. easier right there. <laughs> so, uh, so, 10 out of 10 across the board, yeah? yeah. 10 out of 10. Well, this uh, it's been a great episode. I, I know we said we'd give your top 10 Canadians, 
you know what we're going to do? <laughs> yes. We're going to save that because we've got so much. This mm. is uh, coming up on uh, an hour and 45 minutes. Blimey. Once we've got credits and stuff. In. So I think we're going to tear it there. We're going to end this episode and then you and I are going to record a quick episode where you give your uh, top 10 Canadians. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that Michelle, M- Mountie Michelle moment is going to be another banker. Put it in the bank. So that's so we we can't promise when that episode's going to come out, and that's going to come out at some point. You'll be damn glad it did. It's going to be something to look forward to, isn't it? But from this uh, very musical episode of <laughs> Choose South by South, why? There was no good reason, <laughs> but it was. Uh, I've been uh, Detective Squee. With me as always has been Mountie Michelle. And until next week, keep your compasses set. Due south, by, by southeast. southeast. Harmony. Let's <laughs> not ruin it at the end. <laughs>